Download the app. Bet big, win bigger. I've got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $5, win $400. If you're a new WinBet player, you can make your first deposit of $20 or more and become eligible for the offer after opting in. Following your first deposit, you can place a minimum $5 straight bet on any spread, over, under, or money line wager with odds of minus 120 or greater and have a chance to win $400 as a free bet credit. Come on, guys and gals. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Cowboy Reed. Cowboy. Mm. Welcome. It's a beach theme today. Chris is joining from the islands. We've got Stanford Steve going over all your NFL Week 15 recaps. We'll do an NFC and AFC playoff picture. Which matchups have the biggest playoff implications? We've got a Monday night and Tuesday night football preview. Four games to go over there. And Steve talks the college football bowl games from this past weekend. Little college football news uh, in terms of transfers. And Deion Sanders snagging the top recruit. Episode starts now. Enjoy. Pod coming to you from um, the tropics. It was my last day in paradise. I apologize for the late drop time, but I am a human being and I wanted to make my vacation a vacation. So I, I spent all Sunday watching these games on a laptop. I had to illegally stream uh, every NFL game. It's amazing the illegal streaming options you have uh, because there's not a TV in sight with the NFL. And I don't blame these people here because it's a shit show. It's a shit show late in the year. It's hard to gamble on these games. We'll talk about that. Uh, and quite frankly, the slate didn't knock my socks off yesterday because of all the the games being moved to Tuesday and Monday. And then we had you know some Saturday night games. So t- Sunday's games were just all right to me. There were some really, really interesting games, but there wasn't anything that I rolled out of bed excited to watch. I'm not going to lie to you. Reed, were you excited about that slate? Well, I was excited about the Broncos. Okay, well, we know how that ends. Um, yep, and uh, I had faith in the Lions coming off the uh, watching them against the Broncos last weekend. I thought that that would be a fun game just to watch through the first quarter. 
and then it would peter out and the uh the cardinals would play through but watching well, that whole lions game all yeah. the way through was was pretty awesome well listen by the time i get off the beach it's already almost 10 nothing so i'm saying to myself like i know you know dan campbell covering campbell we're all over it we love the lions but make it interesting guys. Like it was a blowout. I, I, yeah, I couldn't even, I couldn't even watch it go down to the wire. I couldn't even watch Dan and the lions rip cliff and Kyler's hearts out in the final seconds. They just handled their business early. So we're going to get our business handled today uh, and get you out the door. I've got Stanford Steve coming up in a couple minutes here. Uh, we're going to go through all the games. We're going to go through all the way back to Saturday night, talk about Pat's Colts. We'll look ahead to some of the games on Monday and Tuesday night, maybe throwing our two cents about what might happen. And we'll get you out of here again. Apologize for the late drop. It is important to me and the crew to be consistent, but it's also important to be a human being and enjoy the sun. And, uh, my lovely wife didn't want me podcasting in Virgin Gorda on a Sunday night until three in the morning. So apologies. Uh, Hey, layup line today is going to be, uh, Whiskey River by Willie Nelson. Have we done that yet, Cowboy Reed? Have we done Whiskey River? Nah, that's a new addition. Whiskey River, take my mind. Don't let a memory talk to me. That steel uh, pedal, I think it is, in that song, is is uh, it's absolutely gorgeous sitting on the beach here. So it's amazing. Outlaw Country can be beach music. Like, Outlaw Country's got range, man. Beach music. Willie Nelson does it all. I'm at a place called Little Dick's Bay. D-I-X. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. I swear to God. I've been coming here a while. <laughs> this is my, <laughs> my third time on the resort. Uh, and it is, it is as good as it gets. Little Dick's Bay, it, it's got some, some shock value the first time you hear that you'll be traveling to a place. like People are like, where are you going? Little Dick's Bay. Couple that with the fact that I'm in room 69 on this on this voyage, <laughs> this particular voyage, we rolled up and they're like, "Here's your room key, 69. You're going to be signing checks, long room 69 at Little Dick's Bay." But it's been a great trip. I can't wait to get back. We are going to be back Wednesday morning, as usual, with some heat. I'm talking to Rosillo about popping on. We'll see if he can get on. Little reunion there, uh, talking about whatever pops up over the next 24 to 48 hours. NFL, NBA. I'm not paying any attention to the NBA, so I'll have to lean on Ryan there. It's similar um, to the NFL right now. A lot of COVID protocols, a lot of COVID issues. Hella COVID. They got hella COVID in the in the NBA right now. So we'll, we'll we'll hopefully talk to Ryan about that. But if it's not Ryan, it'll be an electric guest. I do want to point this out that um, I'm smoking Macon in fantasy football right now. He won't hear this because he doesn't listen to the podcast. But for a guy that was gloating about sliding into the playoffs uh, because I forgot to set my lineup, he only showed up to get throttled. Right now, I have a 60-point lead uh, going into Monday night. I'm at like 150, and I've still got Nick Chubb. Uh, <laughs> and he's at like 90. So this feels good to beat him. He was classy. He texted me during like the second quarter of the game where Mark Andrews had about 25 fantasy points yesterday. And I thought that was akin to like – uh, a politician who really doesn't wish the their rival well at all, but they have to call them like, you know, at, at 8 p.m. before they finish counting the votes like it's over uh, making making with the class. I appreciate that. But the Lib Cucks are on to the championship round. So you, still have, nice to take tonight. you still have Nick Chubb to play for the long 
cuckolds in Little Dick's Bay, room 69. Is that right? Yeah, the Liberty cuckolds, room 69. <laughs> I got to see if the fall walls have been down here, but I'm at 152. Uh, Macon's at 94. The houses are at 94. He's still got Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe he was just, maybe he was doing a little reverse psychology here because I have Nick Chubb left and a 60 point lead. I think I'm safe, free, but I'm not positive. Nick Chubb could, could, you know, stub his toe the first series and, and Justin Jefferson could go for 100. Right. Who were your big scorers? You have Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I had Brandon Cooks delivering Mark Andrews for 35. Uh, Brandon Cooks went for damn near 30. Justin Herbert, of course, was great, as always. And A.J. Dillon found the end zone. So yep. uh, it's been a good week for for the Cucks, and we are rounding in playoff form. By the way, we'll get James Coe back next week as well. So uh, just a heads up there, some housekeeping. And if you didn't catch it last week, we also had Aiden Hutchinson talking about the uh, college football playoff against Georgia. Steve will have a little bit insight there. And Ryan McGee gave his entire college football bowl game preview. Yeah, check that out. Check that out. Go back in the, you know, I should have told you all that last week. You could have spent all morning catching up on Hutchinson and McGee. If you want to get your college football flavor, we will talk a little bit with Steve now, but go back because that Hutchinson kid, he was, he was awesome. And he's not doing many interviews. We, he gave, he gave some great insight, a lot of, uh, on how he had changed his play from the first three years to this past season, how he kind of got, was able to get in the sack column a little more. Uh, told some great stories on Jim Harbaugh. And, yeah, uh, guy works out in khakis. Yeah. Little, guy really lemon. works out in khakis. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are kind of like pseudo khakis. I, <laughs> I cheat all the time with the with the pseudo khakis. But Aiden was great. We also had Aaron Donald earlier in the week. We're getting some exclusives because I guarantee you're not going to see Aaron Donald a whole lot of places during mm-hmm. the season. You know, he's a big green light guy. Especially right after a three-sack win. That was awesome. Yeah, when you text your buddy who happens to be the, maybe the best defensive player in the world, uh, at 11 p.m. and he hits you back on the bus and says, I'm in. Like, that's a good friend right there. So shout out to Aaron as well. We will get you uh, to Stanford Steve now and get on our way so I can go back to the beach. But thanks for your patience. Here's Stanford Steve. Tick picks should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Visit TickPick.com. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K. Got rid of all the service fees that the other sites charge. TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of their NFL games. If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. If you're like me and you can't wait to get back into an NFL stadium, visit TickPick.com. I got Stanford Steve in the building. He noticed the, uh, the background. Steve, what do you see in the background? Uh, is there a new green screen in the, in the green light pod uh, studio, or is that like real trees blowing? Yeah, it's amazing. This is like, you know, when they put up a green screen and you wonder, like, this is a real deal, holy field palm tree background. Like, there are palm trees outside. And uh, as soon as this podcast ends and we upload this thing to the fucking cloud, dad is going on the beach and he's getting wrecked. This is his last day in paradise. Nice. Yeah, so so let's let's have some good clean fun here, Steve. I'm at Little Dick's Bay in Virgin Gorda. It's one of the nicest places in the world. My room number is 69. Got it. My last name's Long. Sign those checks. It's got the Little Dick's Bay insignia on the top. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Um, but while I've been here, Steve, yeah, <laughs> there's been a lot of college football that I have not seen. Uh, They don't have the cricket wireless bowl in the British Virgin Islands. So 
Can you tell me what I've been missing over the weekend? Has there been any highlight to you? Great game, great play. Uh, we had a great uniform. Jackson State and Dion came out with some nice chrome helmets, and then they got smoked by South Carolina State. Uh, so they're the one seed in the uniform bowl game. Uh, rankings I put out that I will update today after uh, seeing some more. BYU Ooh. had a really good one, but they lost. Uh, the Pac-12 lost another bowl game as a favorite. They continue to be just awful. Who was it? Bowl games. Who, who, Oregon, who was Oregon State it? lost the game by two, two uh, double digits, and they were a seven-point favorite. Now, uh, to ooh, that's the problem. They need to be dogs. They need to be dogs. We need to play those yeah. games later. And get the I, think, I, think, I think they were the only favorite, though, now, too. So they're all – every Pac-12 team remaining in a bowl game is a dog. So we'll see that. Uh, the kid Zappy, Western Kentucky, who's a kid that I really want to see try and get a chance at quarterback at the next level, he played in his bowl game. So did Malik Willis. That was important to me. Malik Willis just got invited to the senior bowl. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him. He's the quarterback for Liberty that had plenty of talk going into the year, and then they finished off the year bad with three straight losses against uh, better competition. But um, they look great. Uh, um, Liberty and Hugh Freeze scored 59, I think, believe it was. 56. Louisiana got a win. Uh, BYU traveled down south and lost. But that's, that's about it. We're going to start ramping it up here with some more games. Uh, Missouri Army Wednesday will be a really – uh, great battle of two totally different styles, but uh, a couple uniform games that were that were legit. We had a bad weather game down in uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana, but um, that's it. You're good. You're good. You're you're, you're getting. I'm all, up ca- I'm all caught up. And, and, yeah. and I would and I would say this. I was talking to Ryan McGee uh, last week about you know. Kenny Pickett, and this was before yep. he opted out, and I and I said, and Dave Damashek disagreed that you do have something to gain as a quarterback in a year like this playing that bowl game. I could be wrong. I could be, this could be a bad take, but you, you just said it like Malik Willis and that's a different situation. So it's apples to oranges, but he probably helped his stock. I, I, here's the deal, Chris. I don't think there's anything better you could do for yourself than a bowl game on tape that you play well in as far as close as all these guys are. And seeing how they're not going to be, you know, organization changers at the next level, you need every little thing to go. Like Matt Corral is going to play for Ole Miss. I'm, I'm totally uh, convinced he's going to be the first quarterback take because he's going to play well. Like that's a really good Baylor team. Yeah, you'd be the last, the last good taste in, in you know, NFL executives' mouth. I mean, like you know, like you, you, you're the last guy to go off. Yep. Whether it's right or wrong, I, you know, I, I do think it helps if you if you go no out doubt. and light it up. So, and Kenny Pickett's out for that bowl game. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Malik Willis, by the way, I want to put this on record. Like, if I'm taking a flyer on somebody next year, because to me, in a year where there's no consensus, like sure thing, you take the risk on the guy with the highest ceiling. And I love Malik Willis. And if I'm picking next year, I'm looking hard at him as soon as I start thinking about quarterbacks coming off the board. And by the way, we had another quarterback transfer. Um, and this one's yeah. pretty interesting. Bo Nix going to Eugene. That's the team he first beat when he came on the scene. I remember that game at night a couple years back. Yeah. What, what gives here? What do you think about the fit? Well, they had a kid who was rumored to get compete for the uh, start and job. Um at the beginning of the year, but then everybody brought up crystal ball and how they had the game at Ohio state uh, early in the year. So he wanted his senior leader to be that quarterback at Columbus. They ended up winning that game. And I think that's what kind of set the, the deal it was is keeping Brown at the quarterback, but you know, 
Bo has shown really good. He's shown some really bad. He's he hasn't gotten rid of all his bad tendencies, and that's what I think. Maybe a new new place and and get out of you know the this, the area where he grew up in. Maybe it's good, but. I wonder if these guys are buying into, oh, we guarantee you, you'll be the starter. Like, that's that kind of scares me. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to have to go and compete for that job, and I'm not sure he's going to win it. Um, but it's a decision you guys are making. They want to get that, uh, you know, get that new picture that's altered in a new uniform on the gram and let oh, everybody man. see it. <laughs> and that's what it feels like. It's a lot, a lot of this is about to me. Uh, so it's, it'll be interesting going forward. Um, you know, we've seen a bunch of Pac-12 quarterbacks go to the SEC, and now uh, we got one from the Southeast going up to the Pacific Northwest. So it's so really you, fascinating you, to watch. If it's for the gram, to me, I, and if I were a young man trying to promote myself on the gram, I'd rather do that in Auburn, Alabama, than Eugene, Oregon. No shade to Eugene, Oregon, but the gram is probably a lively place down in, in, in Auburn. And by the way, you know, I've seen a lot of these commits to schools. Like I'll go back in their Instagram and I'll notice that they've taken pictures in all. And I'm talking about even the linemen have taken pictures in, in different uniforms. Every visit, that's like a new thing. Now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If I were a recruit here, there's no fucking way that I'm putting on like struggling for 12 minutes to put on a, a, a uniform that maybe somebody else wore the pants. Did they, the, the last recruit wear the pants? Like now I got to go take a shower it looks yep. uncomfortable. It, it doesn't feel good. Like I don't, that trend is dead to me. Yeah. And then, I mean, you're starting to talk about that too, Chris. Like when I played, we wore the Duke. Uh, if you know what the Duke is, you know what the Duke is. I, uh, like guys wear different things underneath their pants. Yeah. Uh, the Duke. I, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the everybody, had, everybody had their Duke on their clothespin, you know, their personalized clothespin. So I had a Duke um, in front yeah. of times have changed. Yeah. There you go. So guys, yeah. I, so, uh, Guys like the spandex with the pads in them now, I think. So uh, we didn't have those when I played. Yeah, times um, have changed in a lot of ways. And by the way, uh, before we move on to, uh, to to the NFL here, the kid that committed to, to, to Jackson State or decommitted from Florida State, which we're eight days late on that news cycle, a great poll. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for, for HBCUs and that sort of thing. Like, I, I love it. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, it's great. This kid had one of the sickest highlights yeah. Three days after he made news, he went up and climbed the ladder in the state playoffs. I think it was. And I said to myself, he's a pro, he's a pro athlete. Mm -hmm. So like, I get yeah. it with this kid. Like I didn't, you know, you just look at him in pads. You're like, all right, but he went up and climbed that ladder in that playoff game. And uh, at the right pylon there, if you haven't seen the play, it's on like every sports center. Uh, and we're talking about what's this kid's name? The Jackson state number one recruit, Travis Hunter. Yes. Go look up Travis Hunter his highlight in the state playoffs and you too will believe that he's a pro athlete and you, and maybe we'll watch some Jackson state just to watch this kid. So yeah, uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Buck saints Sunday night. I watched it, uh, on, a, I illegally streamed this game from, oh. from Caribbean. Yeah. So mea culpa, tur I'm turning myself in. What were you, what was your takeaway? Uh, going to bed last night, Steve. It's been a while seeing Salty Tom. He was <laughs> not happy. Um, but first of all, can I? Can I, I think it's been said, but as I'm watching the video of him throwing the iPad, he already busted the iPad. It was already in four pieces. Yeah. So somebody missed out on getting the actual video of him smashing the iPad. Uh, so it was 
it was, you know, to bits, I will say. Um, I thought the injuries were huge. I do think New Orleans has a great familiarity with there. I thought Booger McFarland did a great job of pointing out they're not afraid of any of the deep threats. So they can play really, really tight, man, jump everything, keep everything tight. And then Tom trying to go that short game when he just has like Brock left over. Um, so I, and then their ability to get pass rush with four, uh, those four guys, I mean, Davenport has been phenomenal. You know what you're going to get with Cam Jordan. He's just, he's just balances the guy as there is. Hundred, hundred sacks. I think congratulations, man. To Cam, a hundo, which Aaron Donald downplayed on the, the on the. Uh, you know you're good when you're like, oh, hundred sacks, like not a big deal. But congratulations, yeah. Cam. Yeah, who's who's counting? We're still yeah, counting. no nobody, right? <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, like you're right, and and do not bet Brady as long as he plays. I don't care what team he's on. Don't bet Brady at home against the Saints, especially if he's in a Bucks <laughs> uniform. Right? Yeah, I felt like last year I got crushed on this. I laid off last night. The boys were proud of me. I said like none of these bets are worth it. Yep. Um, I actually said that on the production call, and so. I'm like, this is something you shouldn't be surprised by. This is something that doesn't change my perception of the Bucs as a playoff team because they don't have to play the Saints in the playoffs. Uh, now, now Brady telling the D-line coach from the, the, the Saints to fuck himself, bitch, uh, yeah. or throwing the tablet just like his dad and Bill, like they, they the side-by-side of them throwing tablets would, I mean, I, I would love to see that. I mean, like Brady's mad. This could actually end up being a thing um, that propels them, you know, late in the season from a mindset standpoint. Um, this team has been riding high. Yeah. And, you know, to lose this game to a team that you knew could beat you and it happened anyways, I think there's going to be a, a lot of um, insightful conversations in Tampa this week. And another thing is Godwin and Evans both look like they're going to be back. Godwin, I just heard, is actually going to be back for the playoffs. When he first got hurt, the way it was described to me, and then I looked up the video because I was outside, I thought he was done done. Um, mm-hmm. So a big bullet they dodged there. And then, like, the hamstrings are going to be an issue. Yeah. Uh, Evans, Fournette. It's good they play somewhere warm. This is not something yeah. – it's not a throwaway point here. It's like when you have a hamstring late in the season and it's cold, it is hard to get that thing moving – it's a good thing they play where they play because two of their most important players are going to be battling back from a chronic situation with a hamstring. So as long as they can get healthy, I don't feel any differently about the Bucks. I don't know what nope. you think there. Nope, nope, no difference. No, I just, I just, like I, we've said this now, Chris. It's it, now with the one buy, it just feels like get yourself in the tournament and get yourself playing well. We saw Tampa do it last year. I mean, that defense turned it around. And I just keep re- – uh, all I can keep thinking of is Devin White against the Saints in that playoff game of just blowing up smoke screens, tunnel screens. Like, where is he coming from? And last night he came up a couple times. I thought he was going to take somebody's head off. I think is that de- they're going to have to lean on the defense the next couple weeks. But that's what we saw. We saw their defense win them a title last year. Yeah. Um, as, good as, as good as that win was at Green Bay, Tom was awesome in the first half, but he almost lost it in the second half. But yeah. that defense – came up big when it does. And with those guys on the defensive side, I still trust them. I still think they're going to be as tough on an out as there is. And their game will travel. Tom's played in every building possible. Um, so I think if they just get themselves healthy, rely on their defense, maybe Jones coming back and, and having to give him the ball in the run game, maybe that makes them focus on the run game more. They got two games against Carolina, which I'm sure they'll get things right against. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not worried about it. I've said I want to see them on the road in the playoffs, um, and it looks like we're going to get that. I don't think 
they're going to go either way to try and get this one seed known at the, you know, it, it, it's mostly out of their hands now. The only thing that hurts is they probably watched the, you know, the Lions beat the cards earlier in the day. And they're thinking to themselves, like, this is a great opportunity for us yeah. to leapfrog. And to be, to be fair to the entire team, like Tom shares a big piece in this loss. I mean, like the fumble in the red zone, you know, the pick late in the game, it wasn't his fault. They false started on fourth and one late. Uh, no. But these were situations that you had to have and they put themselves in that situation. So cards, lions, man, like we just <laughs> mentioned it. The Cardinals, by the way, the Twitter account, like kudos to you guys, not even tweeting the score. Like a lot of times I always <laughs> say, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a, a very on point study uh, that if you look after a really disappointing loss, accounts use a period after the final score, like we're final in the Meadowlands period, or like, got it. it's, you know, like if you see the period, it's bad. When you don't see a tweet at all, it's really fucking bad. You just lost the lions and it's a two game losing streak for y'all. Um, and by the way, golf owns cliff five and oh now. So <laughs> you figure it out. It's a, we these, these late seasons slates are really tough because yep. a lot of double digits, uh, hard to bet them. You don't know who's on vacation. You don't know who's who's getting ready to go on vacation. Like the Lions would fit the bill of a team that is thinking about going somewhere like like I'm I am. Yeah. Right you know, they want some palm trees in the background in a couple of weeks. And you also don't know who's who's ready to play above their level of competition in December, which is a big deal. You want to I know that playing in Ford Field is tough and it's sleepy, but go look at how the Packers um, the, the atmosphere of that game and how, how serious it was for them. Like it just didn't feel like the, the sense of urgency was the same for the Cardinals and they get jumped. I remember in 2011, we're playing the, um, the, the saints it's Halloween. Uh, we're two and nine or whatever we would have been one in whatever that point in the season, they're 10 and one, or we got one loss, two losses. I'm sure we were double digit dogs. We kicked their ass. Um, what they didn't realize is St. Louis is a baseball town and, and David Freeze and the boys just won a World Series. So it was like an eruption in there. There were more people in our stadium than than uh, than you can remember. And they were down a couple tackles. So a lot of times these games are hard to spot. But this one made sense. Dan Campbell has this team playing hard mm -hmm. in the season. Uh, and the Lions got the points early uh, and they jumped them. Yeah, I think uh, the... Lack of preparation, I think, rolling in, getting the news and not having Hopkins coming out and then going to play Detroit. Uh, I think all that plays into it this time of year. You know, everybody is going to doubt the Cardinals because we haven't seen them have success with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in the playoffs. And they're not going to give them any credit until they go out and do that. So it's almost a waiting game. I think it almost could be a nice burden left off them now where, all right, Green Bay's got, I mean, huge day for Green Bay. I'm sure we'll get to them with who lost and how they won yeah. uh, as far as the playoff seedings go. But I thought uh, Tim Hasselbeck had an awesome breakdown uh, of the Cardinals are just coming out and, you know, the Lions blitzing from depth and Kyler not having his eyes where he's supposed to have on a hot read. The receivers not even looking where they're supposed to be on a hot read. Uh, there's a third and five middle of the field. Uh, they run a great mesh route to get Kirk open. He's got his eyes in the wrong place. Kyler doesn't see him. He comes wide open. Uh, so I just thinking, you know, a little lackadaisical. And to, I mean, you see the locker room videos after Lions games, and you just see how much this team loves Dan Campbell. And it's a, it's a, there, I mean, I don't want to see them on my schedule if they're going to play like this. I mean, they brought, you talk about physical, their D line was getting after it. I mean, 
it's it's one thing to get pressure on Kyler. It's another thing to get him on the ground. And they did those things. They were they coached. The they were, yeah, they yeah. were coached really well. I mean, yeah. like you, the things you're talking about, caging him in the rush, you know, little things early, like Charles Harris staying, you know, his upfield shoulder on a blitz on a third and three early in the game. And offensively, like they called a really good game and Jared Goff played well, like yeah. that, that long run early in the game, the Reynolds um, third and mm-hmm. five, it was a double mug look. They had a really good call on there. And then they take advantage with play action. Like they did things with detail better than the Cardinals did. I mean, Kyler Kyler didn't play well. Kyler fourth and goal at the end of the, here's their chance to get back in this ball game. They find themselves down 10, nothing. And by the way, the lions didn't just play with emotion. They played aggressive and called the game aggressive. Dan has not done that every game this season. So credit to him, the onside kick. I mean, 10, nothing at the end of the half. They stop him on fourth and goal. And by the way, Kyler's, you know, staring down his receiver. He knows right where he wants to go with the ball, and it's the wrong read on a two-man concept. Um, you know, like the Lions, if they were content with that under two-minute, are going to run the ball out. They go the length of the field with Jared Goff under two minutes against that really hype defense and get seven. Not three, seven. Yeah. So, like, this team was not only emotional – they fed off the emotion at Ford Field. That pick by Warrior. Um, oh. I mean, like the the top was about to come off that fucking place. You think they had ten wins? So Detroit <laughs> fans deserve a lot of credit, but the Lions deserve credit for not just playing with emotion, but executing and playing smart. So it was the perfect Gus and Akeeb game. I still hear him yelling Warrior's name, uh, and 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 they've got the Colts in less than a week. The Cardinals do, which is going to be yeah. a motherfucker to put it eloquently when you watch the tape of that game against the Patriots. You you couldn't stop the the Lions. It's going to be a long week. So um, you you talked about it. The early games, you saw the, the you know your NFC elite. That looked one way, and the intensity that the, the Packers brought in the 4 p.m. was totally different. So this team needs to learn how to play in December. Reed, you had some some uh, bright side takes on the on the on the Cardinals. So Detroit is just the third team in the Super Bowl era to enter a game with fewer than two wins and beat a ten win team. The other two 10-win teams that lost, the 95 Cowboys and the 04 Patriots, both went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So the Cardinals have a little bit of hope. Yeah, so if I'm a team that's out in front late in the season, I just try to make sure I lose to, uh, you know, I just try to make sure I lose to a double-digit dog, and I'm good. good. Teams can rebound from these losses. But when it's the pattern late in the season, I mean, this team is 0-3 under Cliff trying to clinch a playoff spot. Last mm-hmm. year, they fell off a cliff. This year, I worry about them. We, I've been asked repeatedly, why don't you talk about the Cardinals? Why don't you give them any love other than stepping in shit with Buda Baker? I haven't talked about the Cardinals a lot. I just don't trust them. Until they yeah. prove to me that they can be trusted, they're a very dangerous football team, but they're not a trustworthy football team. Talking about a trustworthy football team, my pick for the Super Bowl starting the last four to six weeks. I mean, they've shown me enough at this point. The Packers. But the lead of this game were the decisions by John Harbaugh. And I wanted to, to mm-hmm. give you the floor. The three decisions we're really talking about are, we'll go one at a time here. Going for it uh, after eating seven minutes on the opening drive yeah. and, and, and not kicking a field goal. You like that decision? No, I don't. Here's the deal, what I'll say with the fourth downs, okay? And I've talked with plenty of people about it uh, and, and, and how it's just come to the forefront. When you have first and goal on the four-yard line, okay, 
I'm guessing you're going to run your three best plays on first, second, and third down. And it wasn't fourth and one. It was fourth and goal from like the four. So you have the best kicker in the game. You just chewed up seven minutes on the clock. The building wants to erupt. They are ready for you. I don't understand why you wouldn't just get points there and, and, and see what you have. I know you're going against Aaron Rodgers. You're going against Aaron Rodgers for the next 53 minutes of the game. But just the idea of getting points, knowing if you score, you could still take the lead with a touch. I just think that's important for an offense. Be like, all right, hey, you know, we got some points. We did some good things. Let's look at the iPad and and let's take advantage of what we did on that first drive. So I just like the idea of getting points early in a game just to help them. I mean, Huntley was, was great. I mean, he played his best ball when they're down two scores in the fourth quarter. I'm just saying from a mindset, you don't know what you're really going to get. Like Harbaugh talked about, and no one gave us a chance to win this game. Yeah, nobody did because they haven't seen Huntley play a full game before. And you're going against Aaron Rodgers. So you like getting points early. I, I actually, I actually, that one didn't bother me so much because I think Harbaugh actually proved himself right by Huntley going out and playing well, and they didn't need yeah. to jump them to stay in that football game. I hated the fourth and six backed up on your 25 yard oh, line yeah. down 28 17. That's where you get a little drunk on like, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the we're aggressive thing. Like you scored twice anyways. Like that was not a desperation situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you end up damn near, you should have gone down 35 17. Yeah. If uh, Aaron Rodgers hits throws and we'll talk about yep. that. But the one, the big one that everybody's going to talk about is nine minutes to go. The Packers are up 14. Huntley fires back in the game. In fact, they're calling, they're talking about him auditioning on that last drive as if yep. they're not getting back in this football game. Um, they battled back, they're in it. And at the eight yard line, here's my index, Steve. And, you know, like full disclosure for anybody listening, I know I've tweeted about how annoying and pompous and snarky the analytics Twitter can be. You are, your, your, your brand is fucked. It would be much better if you were less snarky, more people would listen to your point. I'm actually pro analytics, but I'm analytics with context. I mean, I think that's the way everything should be. We use the numbers. That doesn't mean we, re- we reject them. But we also use the context, uh, context like, uh, well, I'll get to it in a second. But at this point, you're driving. And I always think about my index, my gut index is as a defensive player, if I am sitting on that field on defense after that long drive or whatever it might be, what do I want them to do? How do I feel about my prospects of making a stop here? And I was terrified. It did not dawn on me. And I had the Packers. Uh, in a teaser that they may actually go for two uh, until the eight yard line. When Troy reminded me, the viewer that they probably will. Now to this point, I feel really good because no matter what, if I have like a, a minute left to go and they tie the ball game, Aaron Rodgers, two, two chunks, we kick a field goal. We're done. We win. Mm-hmm. But when you put the pressure on the Packers to, you know, make that kick, it changes the com- the complexity of the game or the complexion, whichever one I always butcher that. So the minute Troy said that my balls went up in my stomach and I felt like I was on the field playing defense because like, I know a lot can go wrong trying to pick up just like two yards for a defense. Mm -hmm. And this is an athletic quarterback. Now, what I hate about the call is that you take away three quarters of the field. My problem is not actually with the two-point conversion, which, by the way, for you math nerds, it actually favored kicking the ball marginally. But I understand, like, we're aggressive. That's who we are. Here's where I get into talking about the context. You're batting 250. 
on two-point conversions for the year, essentially. That context, you have to weigh that against we don't have a lot of DBs. We don't want to go into overtime with these guys. Actually, I'm not criticizing Harbaugh, but for the record, the analytics did not match up with that decision. That was a context and analytics decision. So, in fact, he went against the analytics and, and, and made a contextual decision. But I hate the call. Don't take away three-quarters of the field there. Savage made a great play. Uh, and my big thing is this, Steve. For a month now, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Mm-hmm. They've been dying by the sword, right? Show me, uh, you know, if this is such a statistical outlier, which I agree, like, look at the math. Don't have your outlier month be late in the season if you don't have uh, live by the sword sample size that you can mm-hmm. show me readily. Like, you got to be able to go back and show me a couple ball games that you won being this aggressive with two-point conversions and the like. If you don't have that, it's going to be harder for me as an owner to sit up there and be like, oh, I trust you with the math when you're, when you're losing three games in November as a result, or December, rather, as a result, with the Pittsburgh two-point conversion, with the two-point conversion against the Browns in a game that ended up tight, and then this one today. Yeah, and here's the deal with the analytics. That's why I thought it was, it was key that he said his gut after the game because he did throw the analytics out. He was going with his gut. Because it was his gut. The, the analytics say when you're down 14 and you score, that's when you go for two. So when he didn't go for two, then I'm like, all right, they're going to kick it. Yeah, you're not doing it. Yeah. Then they call timeout, or I should say they line up. They have Andrews on the end line of scrimmage. They got a little H-back formation. We, uh, I think it was King uh, backfield. And they come back out. He brings Andrews over. You could tell he's talking to Andrews. He's talking to Greg Roman up in the box. You know, you want to go for it? What do you want to do? He's, you can see Harbaugh's lips saying. And then they come out and they split out Andrews. And with him to that one receiver side, I had a feeling. I thought Savage was incredible. The one thing you get is as soon as you see Savage buzz down on that, Hollywood Brown is fast enough, and he comes wide open, replacing where Savage came from if you go back and look at it. Now it happened so fast. You talk about rolling out. You know, uh, you know, Hasselbeck pointed out on the two touchdowns, think about how they scored. It was straight drop back, and the way the rushers did, they took themselves out. When you roll out, you, you minimize take, you all take that. that away. All Everybody it. knows it's like not that they they had this sort of formational tell, but if you get like four strong, yeah. like as a defensive end or an edge player, you go set that edge. And my biggest thing about Huntley, why he was so good yesterday, you know, he did extend plays, but when the read was there, he just he you know there were a couple plays on third and short or fourth and short that he just rifled the ball in there, yeah. and 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 he was decisive, and I think that was a real positive for that offense. Um, and it ran well with him in it. You talk about the Hollywood Brown read. That would have been an incredible read for that kid to yeah. make rolling right. And maybe Lamar makes it, but this is not what Huntley was doing so well. You know, like right. Huntley to me was like, hey, I can create with my legs if things break down, but I have one read I want to get to. And that for him was that throw in the corner of the end zone. And it was the same read for, for Savage as well. So yep. Huntley made himself some money yesterday. He was decisive. Mm. He was poised. Um, but Rogers on the other side, even with the missed throws, and I don't know what Lazard did to him <laughs> to get those two <laughs> fucking throws. I mean, he also missed Adams on a third and three early, which I yeah. think you get that shot play right off the bat after not having the ball for about eight minutes. It reminds me of Dak in Kansas city, right? Kansas city Dak early in the game. I don't know if anybody remembers this has a shot. I think it's to Gallup and he misses it. 
And at that point, the vice grip of being on the road against a defense that's playing well for some reason in this case, and an offense that's eating the clock, that swings the entire momentum and the balance of that game in the first half. When you miss that throw, then you know it's going to be a dogfight. And it was. Yep. I mean, they barely had the ball for 11 minutes. Side note, they're a lot better with MBS in the lineup. I mean, how do you, oh, yeah. how do you fit the ball into him in the middle of the field is incredible. And he really went at Robert Jackson uh, with Young uh, and Smith out. Uh, and I, I think there was another guy out for them as well. But the point is, I get Harbaugh's decision because of what I just mentioned. It was the same mm-hmm. thing under me found himself in against the Steelers. They're yep. down. The context says, even if the math doesn't say it, that you got to go for two. You want to win it in regulation. And I support that. I just didn't like the call. And I think we'd use a little less snark and more people would believe in the numbers. Uh, it's a branding problem. The Ravens playoff chances down just above 50%. Mm-hmm. That Cincy next week is going to be enormous. If they lose awesome. that game, they're out. Uh, the Rams after that, and then Pittsburgh at home. So like the AFC North is a shit show. I cannot wait. And Last thing, Steve, that phantom DPI call on third down. If I'm, if I am a Ravens fan, that little, you know, it was a, it wasn't even a tug. Um, that's got to piss me off. I want to say this about the Ben Cleveland false start. Cause I don't know where you stand on this. I have no problem with that call on fourth and one. They ended up having mm-hmm. to kick Ben Cleveland. You know, people are saying he got set. He was getting set. It's short fucking yardage, dude. I've been in those situations on defense. Had he been quote unquote getting set and we jump off sides as a result of that, you're throwing the flag and it's first down Baltimore. So you Mm got to call that both ways. Huntley's pointing out the mic. I mean, they're under center. Get set, big boy. Ravens fans, you got one complaint yesterday. That was the DPI. Yep. Totally agree. If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't yet tried the WinBet app, I've got great news for you. WinBet is now offering a 200% wager match for new users up to $1,500. That's just an incredible offer. WinBet is basically giving you double your first wager in free bets. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Moving to the, the AFC playoff picture, because those are the, the class of the NFC, you know, one, two, three there. We've got... We've got Pat's Colts Saturday night, which is some distance now between that game and 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 you you listening on a on a Monday afternoon. But this went right how I mean I, the way it went down, the block punt, that sort of thing. But like I was zero shocked. I bet the Colts. I've been talking mm-hmm. about this since the beginning of time. Like this is the matchup for the Pats that keeps Bill up at night. Yep. So much so that he was so pissed after the game, he apologized. I think he apologized to the media, which. Uh, which was a rare thing for Bill to do. He said he was just in a bad mood and he has to be in a bad mood because if they play again, I don't know how much differently this outcome is. I'm just saying that. And like, I don't know what you think, Steve, but somebody told me when I picked the Colts in my, in my comments that Bill's going to break Carson's dumb brain was the, was the comment. I thought it was really witty and the whole nine yards. But the one thing you didn't, you, you didn't remember is that it doesn't matter. The Colts 
are a matchup nightmare for the Pats. And Carson fucking had a 49 rating, played really bad. Um, you know, Mac Jones outplayed him, but it did not matter because no. they did the same thing to the Pats that the Pats did to the Bills. They said, oh, you want to take Carson away? It doesn't matter. We're still going to run the ball uh, with this stud back we've got. And eventually the dam breaks. You get a, a, a block punt, that sort of thing. It's like uh, with, with the way Bill takes pride in special teams, this is something that's going to keep him up at night if they have to play again, because I don't know that it goes much different in, uh, in January. Yeah. And that's why I'm fascinated when we come this week. I mean, we got three monster one o'clock game Sunday with the bills going to new England. But when you look at it, I just, I love what Frank Reich brings to the table as far as a coach and, and, and the idea, I mean, yeah, Wentz had what five completions, uh, they rushed for 226 yards. That's what you have to do to beat new England, man. Like that, and then credit to those guys for sticking to it. Now it wasn't pretty, and they get the, the Taylor, you know, breakaway run late in the game. But that's why you stay stern in the run game because that's what happens. Guys get tired, and you know you got some will to beast up front. And, and I can't not mention fifty six. Quentin. Oh Dallas. my like, god, dude! He's just he's he's just the best. He's he was the best. He was mad at somebody, Steve, at the end of the game. And I was like, let's just stay in four minute mode. This is fun. Like yeah. Quentin Nelson being mad at somebody is my kind of football. I just want to watch that all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was just, it was just great to watch because they stayed to it and it yeah. got a little dicey there. You know, it's always gonna, you know, Patriot teams are going to come back. Uh, but the Patriots inability to not be able to run the football and then the Colts being able to run. That's why I picked the Colts. I also just had it set in my mind. You don't win and cover eight straight weeks in this league. You just don't do it. It's not that easy. And that's why I like the Colts too. I just thought, I thought the time was coming for New England. I thought it was a tough spot. Uh, Mac did show me a lot, you know, coming back and, and getting the team back in the game. Tough but I, 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 yeah, I was on the Colts in this one and it, it not to block punt and everything, but like, you said it went according to how I thought it was going to, because I thought Reich would have the team ready to go and have a game plan that you needed to beat the Patriots. And you know what? You mentioned it. They've been covering nonstop. This was yeah. the time to hop off the train. Uh, but as a team, this was inevitable. They were going to have a bottom type, uh, you know, like we, we've hit our floor kind of game. And uh, they flirted with that. We kept pointing to Tennessee. The run game shut yeah. up big time defensively. They couldn't get it stopped. You know, until you put that fire out, teams that can take advantage of it are going to do that. And when you've got a defense that was playing in fucking fast forward like they were, um, I mean, those two backers are unbelievable. Um, the, the speed with which they played. The Colts defense is fast. They're really fucking fast running straight towards the line of scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> like they gain like five Madden points when it comes to speed, when they're running straight at the line of scrimmage and they play downhill all night. All day. Um, and Pittman was out for, for Carson, but Nelson Aguilar going out for, for the Pats really hurt them. I mean, it, that forced Nikhil Harry into big spots that forced them to use other people. Um, although Harry came, came down with a, a big ball late. So, Good for him. I know he's been in the in and out of the doghouse his entire career in, in New England. Um, Colts just challenge receivers. They're fast defensively. Yes. They're going to be here. Now, can they go on the road and win a few playoff games? I don't know, but the Pats don't want to see them. Can that defense travel for Indy? I don't know, but the Pats don't want to see them. Not in New England and not there. Because Carson played bad and you still yep. lost. Steelers, Titans.
More bad news for Baltimore because the Steelers, who are still in it, 16% playoff chance right now. And if they beat KC, they're up to 40, which, by the way, looking ahead a, a week, I, I don't hate Kansas. I don't hate the Steelers in that spot, whatever oh. the line's going to be. Whatever the line's going to be. I, I don't Ten and a half. Oh, I love it. I love the Steelers. Right. Give me the Steelers at 10 and a half. So the spot made news at the end of the game is a terrible spot. But for me, this is all about the Steelers defense forcing turnovers. I was asked on uh, Amazon prime last week, how can the Steelers turn their defense around? Because they, they're not the same and they haven't been the same part of it's been like, you know, you lose pieces like Bud Dupree. Part of it's been just, you know, you had your window to be dominant and, and, and that sort of thing. The turnovers are not coming. And all of a sudden yesterday, the dam broke. And that was the one way that they were going to be able to turn this thing around. Joe Hayden came back, made two of the biggest plays of the game. The rookie coughed up the ball. Yeah. Um, and he picks the ball up out of the air. And then also the tackle on fourth down to, to ice the game. So Joe Hayden comes back. You get the turnovers. Defense costs three of them. TJ Watt, though absolute warrior dude dealing with a groin, which is one of the hardest injuries for a mm. pass rusher to have. Like it just lingers and lingers and lingers. His chest is fucked up. His chest hurts. There's guys on the fantasy waiver wire, uh, running ISO all game for the Titans. He's got 17 and a half sacks. He beats the James Harrison record. The guy's incredible. I mean, he really is. I can't give the guy his flowers enough. You talk about having a brother in the league. That's probably one of the, the greatest to ever do it. And you're his little brother and you come mm -hmm. in and you're maybe better than him. Uh, this kid is incredible. I cannot believe he's only been in the league five years. It feels like he's been in the league two decades. I saw a stat yesterday, five years. That's how the Steelers can make a run forcing turnovers. I mean, I don't think it happens, but they play the chiefs next week who have been coughing up the cookies. So TJ Watt and, and company go get the ball and you never know what could happen. Yeah. I mean, I think they had less than 170 yards of total offense. Like I just, you, you can't, you're, you can't rely on those kind of things to win games, especially this time of year. Uh, but yeah, their defense has an unbelievable job to make you look as ugly as you possibly could when you have the ball in your hands and they yeah. just don't stop. I, I want to say they could have had another turnover. Devin Bush uh, dropped a pick. Uh, who's also just phenomenal to watch uh, every week in this league. But yeah, I, I mean, it, I'll never count the Steelers out. I just don't think it's sustainable knowing what you, you still have ground to make up and knowing just, you just, you don't have any consistency uh, on the offensive side. And, and that's with Najee Harris and, and, and you got talent. It just, the offensive line I think is very flawed and I think it's going to be a problem for them moving forward. You know what the funniest shit was with the logo stuff is like you just mentioned Devin Bush. I'm trying to imagine Devin Bush trying to manufacture anger uh, upon hearing the Titans are stomping a logo after what he did to uh, who was it? Michigan State. Michigan State. This dude. I mean, like he didn't just stomp it. Like if you're going to stomp a logo, do what Devin Bush did. Fuck up the field. Like go all the way with it. And by the way. I, I got no, people make too big a deal about this. Like the Raiders, they didn't mean it last week when they stomped the logo. You could tell there were like two guys that were like, this is what we're going to do when we get there. And yeah. everybody's like, I don't know. Uh, the Titans. You saw stomped. Derek Carr after the game, like I'll back my guys up. Yeah. No matter exactly. what. And like <laughs> that, that told you. Did I have a problem with it? No. <laughs> you know, nodding his head up and down. So like, I mean, they, they stomped the logo. This is how the Titans live, dude. This is what makes them great. Harbaugh's analytical cry, like, this is what we do. This is who we are. Yeah. 
stomping the logo is who the Titans are. So I don't care that they lost this football game. They lost this football game because they didn't put seven points on the board before the half. You go 19 plays, 10 minutes. You don't put seven points on the board. It could be 17, three, you let them hang around. Um, and that, and that's what happens. I mean, the Simmons penalty, which Romo incredulously didn't see, um, you know, the, the turnovers, Tannehill played poorly. They just didn't play like themselves and chiefs Titans. If you look back on that game, how the turntables, man, like we have, I mean, you look back at that game. We were talking about this yesterday, whether it was the green Bay, new Orleans week one game or that game. I don't know oh. what game. If you, if you, if they men in blacked you with the, the flashing light and were like, you woke up and, and, and you were told that that happened at some point this year, the way things are Chiefs sliding in the number one seed, the Titans being hapless, incredible the way this thing's gone. So the AFC is a shit show. And by the way, the Steelers, that tie really screwed them against the Lions. I mean, that oh, yeah. really screws up their playoff chances as you look at it right now, mathematically. It is better than a loss, though. It is better than a loss. But better than a loss. Anyways, I, I don't know what to take from this game other than that. The Steelers, they've got some fight in them. They do yes, after all, after it. last week. Yep. They've got some yep. fight in them, and, uh, and stomping on logos is okay with me. You know, you just got have it. to mean it. So, Bengals, Broncos, Reed, how are we doing this morning, man? Do we, are we sounding the uh, – are we doing the Hunger Games flute for, um, for your yeah. Broncos? Are they dead? Yeah. We're going to have to sound the cannon. Luckily, uh, Teddy Bridgewater left the hospital. He's in concussion okay. protocol, but he's, he's looking good. Uh, but it's the Drew Locke experience. Drew Lock the, Drew, party bus. the Drew Lock party bus, which is fucking wild because you get that beautiful touchdown and you're like, oh no, we've unlocked a Bronco ceiling if you bet the, the Bengals like I did. Damn it. Like, I, you know, I'm not only worried about Teddy, but I also think maybe like in this situation, this is a Drew Lock spot. You get that, that beautiful touchdown. Then you get the fumble on a design run, which by the way, was his decision. Uh, Khalid Kareem takes the ball off him. And that was a crazy play in and of itself. And that was the full Broncos fandom experience because you go from, Oh no, to, Oh yes. Thinking you get the ball back because he, he takes the ball away and fumbles himself. You think you've got it back. You dodged a bullet, but actually right. drew lock accidentally tackled him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just such a fucked up situation. He checked all the boxes, but here's the deal. And great day for Tyler Boyd, by the way, who was great when T Higgins and chase didn't have a, a you know, such a strong showing. Um, Vic Fangio is the lead here for me. And I love Vic Fangio. I think he can coach his ass off, Yeah, but as a head coach, there's certain things that you have to be responsible for. And thankfully Macon's not on this pod because he would have a conniption this was one of the, the most, you know, worrisome time management decisions of the season. One timeout left, and stop me if I'm wrong here, Reed, because I'm sure it's burnt into your brain. One timeout to go 240 left in the game. You use it. You're trying to get the ball back, right? So it's second and whatever it is. Second and you, nine. Second and nine. You use a timeout rather than letting – which of which you have one remaining – you use that timeout rather than letting 25 seconds come off the play clock, having them run a play, get to third and seven, hopefully, and burn that timeout then so that you have the two-minute warning uh, on the other side of that timeout. You don't get that because you burn it, and uh, you lose a minute off the clock effectively. You could have the ball back with about two minutes to go. You have it back with about a minute five to go, backed up, drew lock, curtains, 
I mean, just off of that decision. And the worst part was Joe Mixon was down. So I don't know what they've said about this, but at that same play, it's like a double whammy. They might've stopped the fucking clock anyway. So mm. I, I, it was such a bad mistake that I was confused and I feel, and I feel for Vic Fangio because I think he's a great coach. He's a great football yep. coach, but these are the type of decisions. I don't even like saying this, but can get the, they can get the conversation going. Yep. And you know what I'm talking about? And I, yep. and I hate that for a good football coach, but it was a bad decision and it has to be a twist of the night for the Broncos and Broncos fans. Yeah, and then when you finally do get the ball uh, on third and fourth down, the quarterback throws the ball out of bounds. So. No question. I mean, Drew Locke with the alley-oop there. And, you know, again, I want to shout out Ogan Joby, who's my guy. And uh, he's missed in Cleveland, by the way. Uh, and he and he gets a sack. I think he was lined up as an edge rusher there. Uh, really, you know, this, this Bengals team's not there yet. But, but no, that's building, a huge win to get, man. But they're building huge a foundation. Yeah, yeah, we're not just talking about this year for them as much as they probably don't want to hear that. This is a team that you put these pelts on the wall mm -hmm. and you've been places. You know, you've gone on the road. You've won low-scoring games. You've won shootouts. Like, Denver is a fun place to go play. Uh, win or lose, it is a great atmosphere, and they've got to feel that plane ride. I'm going to give them the best plane ride. Reed, is there nice. a better pl plane ride? I'm not to twist the knife again, but do you think it's the Bengals' best plane ride? I think that's a good plane ride. Yeah, yeah. probably, <laughs> probably a good plane ride for them because uh, they're at 46 percent right now to get in the playoffs. And the interesting part is the Browns. You know, are going to wake up in first or last place <laughs> tomorrow morning. Uh, so it's it's wild in in the Rust Belt. Um, and, uh, Hendrickson, by the way, shout out to my dude, half sack in 10 straight games. Remember when he was just the guy opposite cam Jordan, people said, uh, he's got 23 of his last 28 games. He got on the board without at least a half sack. It's time. Just call it what it is. This fucking guy can rush his ass off and uh, I'm super happy for him. So that that's the AFC playoff picture there. It's a mess. Um, shout out to, uh, to Zach Galifianakis in the campaign, bring your broom. Cause it's going to be a mess in the AFC. And I love that movie and I love the AFC right now. So I can't believe you just brought that up. I just caught it. I just caught it the other night watching it. I was, for I, first I, time? I can't wait to go back and watch the first time. Movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, dude, that, that movie has aged better than almost any, uh, any, wow. of those, any of those movies in that the Will Ferrell movies that that's aged better Ooh. than Anchorman. It's aged better than step. No, not, be not better than step brothers, step brothers and campaign to me have aged. Gotcha. The best. Okay. Agree. Take You're not into this, but it, if you were, I would say take an edible and watch the campaign. Cause it is a good no. time. He's not into that. that no, I don't need that. He doesn't need that. Hey, best of the rest. Did you have? a favorite game out of the, the ones that maybe people weren't watching what'd you key in on somehow the cowboys did it again where they just went on the road and just won as ugly as you possibly could um the offense still doesn't seem right uh the giants were as bad as you could be but dallas gets another win and they're they're going towards you know getting that first uh, playoff game at home but i don't think anybody fears them i look at them like uh people are looking at tennessee in the AFC, like, hey, we'll go play them at their place. No problem. Uh, they just can't get that thing going. Um, but they got to win. And, and then when it comes down to this, it's better than getting, you know, than looking at a loss. Uh, so Dallas, I definitely have certain. Now they go home, they play the football team at home uh, next week. But they are in the driver's seat. Uh, but I'm not sure what to make of them. I do 
love Lawrence on the other side and then putting where Parsons wherever they want. I love what I've seen from the secondary. Uh, they've kept them in that. And you talk about creating turnovers all the time, Chris. They're they're as good as there is. Uh, Lawrence stripping uh, Saquon right before the half uh, is a huge play because you don't know how it's going to go. And you always want points in the last two minutes. So um, they got the football team coming in and we'll see where they go. But they got to win when you need to get a win in a division game. And they're starting to extend that lead. I know it's not the greatest division in the world, yeah. Uh, but but they they got to win. And I, I, like I said, I'm not sure how feared they are, but it was important to get a win, and they got it. I'd love to see a Dallas LA uh, playoff game. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I think you know, like the key is you said, like people don't mind going and seeing them. It depends on what position you play. If you're an offensive yeah. player at this point, you're probably like, "Fuck, we got the Cowboys on the road." Um, and it's interesting because everybody has always based the hype meter on Dallas on the offense, rightfully so, because that's kind of what they had historically the last few years. Now the defense is the, is the strength of this team. You know, like for whatever reason, Dak has struggled to throw the ball down the field since he's been back. You know, the numbers support that. Their run game has not always been great, although it was good to see Pollard back and, and mm-hmm. productive because that was a big concern for me. Yep. Um, but that defense being, you know, the standard bearer for that team and the, and the leadership group doesn't bother me a bit. In fact, I like it. What has their ceiling been scoring 40 points a game? You know, it's, we've seen it. So mm-hmm. I really like the strength of that team being on defense, by the way, digs 10th pick, um, you know, first team to have a double digit interception dude and a double digit sack guy since the chargers in 07 Cromartie. And our guy, Sean Merriman. So um, really, really good stuff on defense. The Saquon thing in New York, to me, uh, like either you drafted a generational player who you can't find a way to produce with, which is a problem, or he's, or you drafted a running back in, in, the, in the first five picks. And, and I've said this to the guys, and I don't know what you think of this, but we know Nagy's getting fired, right? Mm-hmm. We know they're blowing that thing up. New York is the biggest, most unpredictable offseason story to me. I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. I don't know what's going to happen with the GM. I don't know what's going to happen with the head coach. It's New York. And to be honest, you have pick five and six right now. Okay. Do you trust this group with the fifth and sixth pick in the draft? That could only get better. Okay. They've got Chicago as the team they're competing with. Or Chicago, the worse they do, the higher the pick because they have one of Chicago's picks. Like you're staring a possibly franchise changing draft down the barrel. I don't think you trust this group. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's Joe's fault. I'm not saying I'm out on Joe, but do you trust this group to make that pick, those two picks? So I think this offseason could be a total shit show. I totally agree. I don't know what you're going to get there. And I don't, that's why I wouldn't be confident. Philly, uh, off a short week, then Chicago and Washington. It doesn't matter if you're the, the Giants, you, you lose. Um, yeah. You, you, there's nothing left to do here. Uh, and by the way, I want to shout out a couple a couple teams. The Dolphins made me money yesterday. Tua didn't play well, but a big backdoor tease uh, cover there on that last beautiful drive. It was tease a guy. The tease guy was out yesterday. Because I wasn't seeing the board, started teasing some of these games. By the way, teased the Texans as well. Uh, but 
One interesting nugget, and by the way, Tua played really poor, but they 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 win again. So ever since we made fun of the Dolphins uh, in the Miami Herald article saying, hey, there's a chance, they really do have a chance, 10%. They won six games in a row. They have a 10% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, New Orleans, Tennessee, New England, if they win out, they're in. Tua didn't play well, but the strength of this team is getting pressure. Third quarter. They started heating uh, Zach Wilson up, who, by the way, has a worse rating than than Josh Rosen did his rookie year. Uh, take that for what you will. Um, this team is best when they are heating up quarterbacks and the tide turned for them. Um, and by the way, another analytics uh, trend here, the Dolphins are 500 now when they have a halftime proposal. Even if the guy's not in the seat, to propose to his now fiance, hopefully the guy was at the concession stand. Did you see this? And was up on the jumbotron, got a fucking proposal and missed the mm. whole thing. The dolphins at hard rock stadium are 500. When that happens up from Owen two to start got it. the season. So keep an eye on that trend. Texans roll, by the way, this was the, the classic, you know, like fade the emotion of like, I, I was I was that guy early in the, the week. I was like, I'm betting okay. the Jags. I think I might have even given them out in some form or fashion, like ding dong, the witch is dead. But if you look at the Texans, and I got roasted on Twitter for saying this, but Davis Mills can be kind of good. And he was kind of good yesterday. And I'll give the viewing party to Urban Meyer. I want to see where he was watching the game. I want to see what his setup was. I want to see how like relentlessly he was rooting against his, his former team because – Urban Meyer, I think, was pretty happy yesterday. Texans, lowest third down conversion on the year, and they go four for five on the first drive. And uh, Jags give up the first kickoff return for a touchdown for Houston since Jacoby Jones in 2009. So just an awful day for the Jags. I mean, Texans throw the ball to Cooks like a third of the time on third down. Yeah. He burnt them. So bad day. Uh, for the Texans, although a good day for James Robinson, got some touches. And uh, I, I haven't heard of James Robinson, dad, Odell Beckham's dad joke yet. Like the James Robinson's dad send Shad Khan like all 22 tape of the entire year. Uh, and is that the straw that broke the camel's back? Um, this is my victory lap. Texans rolled. Uh, that was a good bet. What do we miss? The Panthers. I don't really have much to say about that game, although I want you to weigh in here. Did Cam throw that ball behind the receiver on the on the on the screen, the wide receiver screen on purpose? Because there's a lot of chatter online about the Panthers being so bad they couldn't even throw a pick six uh, because that ball was going to be a pick six, and then there was Cam throwing the ball behind him. So some people are saying that was on purpose. What say you, Steve? I don't believe that. I don't well, listen, that. I, I thought I thought I had to sit there for a week. When I knew that it was 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 overboard uh, with the I'm back memes, the yeah. video meme of I'm back, that was uh, quite the week. Um, you're going to have to just, if you're a Cam fan, you're going to have to deal with this shit, whether he meant to or not. Like, people are going to be frying him for a week. It's just the way it goes. So the, the, the tables have turned, and the internet has turned on you. So the bills roll, but they don't look great. Lastly, Atlanta, San Francisco, goal line stand changed the entire game the first i mean the, the falcons got a chance to go up they can't get in the end zone the falcons have blue balls all day 18 plays from the 15 yard line and in and didn't score a touchdown 18 oh. 
Ridiculous, bro. I mean, like ridiculous. And I really do think if they get up in that game, everybody who bet the Niners is sweating, but no doubt. Um, that's a different ball game because of it. The only thing I'll say is that Arden key roughing the passer was horrendous. This yeah. thing's gotten out of hand. It's been so out of hand that it's just normalized. And the guy who's got to be really mad is, is Nick Bosa, who's played great. And he's got his uh, arms around uh, Matt Ryan's legs uh, and loses at least a half a sack on that play. So uh, you know, that's a tough turn of events for Bosa and for Arden Key, who's got seven career sacks. That's a big fucking deal, man. And and these refs are taking it away from guys. So that was Sunday. We have more football. I love it. I don't love how we got here, but I love the football spread out through the week. Uh, you know, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand, I'd have one game a night. Uh, that way I can watch them all. It's easier as a podcaster, but you have any leans tonight, Steve, what are the lines here? We, we got Nick. Mullins. I don't. Yeah. Nick Mullins, uh, now, uh, Las Vegas is favored. And then I think the, I think the feeling injury is huge. I think he's a game time decision for Minnesota. I think they really need him to help ease things offensively. Uh, Chicago's shown trouble, uh, to give cousins trouble in Chicago in years past. So that's a huge one for me. That's, it feels like it's a, I mean, with all the news and everything, we saw how Baker and Case Keenum were not able to, you know, pass the test in order to play. I feel like you're going to have that. I think it's a huge deal uh, how Philly got this game postponed because of Washington COVID issues. And now they lose uh, one of their best offensive linemen who's probably not going to be able to play. And now it flips the whole way. The double and whammy. Philly's got Yeah. And just talking to guys in the league, I know players are hot. I know the Raiders players are not happy. Knowing when last year they had their offensive line out and they moved the game up out of prime time in, I into that. a one o'clock window. And now they're doing everything they're supposed to do. And now, you know, their game gets pushed. So it's a lot of tension stuff. I would feel like in the locker room, the Raiders guys showed up to get on their plane and then they got delayed like two times at the airport. So um, it's just some unfortunate stuff. It. It, 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 yeah. Listen, this has been the league was faced with a really tough situation. And they've had to go back on what people thought they said. But the key is that they left themselves the wiggle room to do this. Like, yes, a lot of my friends on the Eagles were tweeting and I get it. You're pissed because like you've been keeping your shit in house and, mm -hmm. and and the Washington football team is in shambles and it's a division game. And now you've got to play two games in five days, essentially. And like you're playing for your playoff life. Uh, but let's not act like we didn't know if we, if we actually read the fine print or not even the fine print, the bold print that the, the league mm -hmm. would reschedule, um, in a window within the 18 week schedule, if they could, they didn't say how, you know, crazy the, the ask would be, um, what they did say is that they would try to do it. So I actually think the Eagles win that ball game. I'd have to drop my nuts to, to lay the six and a half. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you what I do like. I, I kind of like Seattle getting a touchdown. Um, I do too. Just the law of averages here. Yep. Um, and then tonight, I am going to go ahead and bet the Browns and Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins has been pretty good. Um, good. Thoughts. Uh, and I, I just think the Raiders, um, you know, are not a, a team I want to hitch my wagon to. You ask why bet? because it's my last night in the Caribbean. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe I can pay for the ferry back to the airport or something like here's the deal. I'm going to tease the Browns 
with the Bears. You know about my big Vikings under win total bet. Mm-hmm. I hope Thielen takes a rest tonight. I think as a as a great pl- the great player he is, we don't want him aggravating anything. I think he should sit it down and let's go ahead and tease the Browns and the uh, and the Bears. Bears. And I'll probably bet both of those teams uh, straight up as well. All right, I'll take the Seahawks and the Eagles in a teaser tomorrow. Ooh, I like that. I might, te- I might tease that. The tease gods are out, uh, and uh, that's how you, that's how you do a quick and dirty on a Monday morning on vacation. There we go, so, Steve. Thanks for hitting the curveball, and uh, and to the people who got through the pod, thank you for uh, for for hitting the curveball as well. We appreciate you. I want to be Cal Ripken one day, but uh, you know, maybe I was just late to the ballpark. I miss warm ups. This is you, you got the podcast, so go get your toes in the sand, boy. <laughs> Take it easy, Steve. See you, bud. Party time.